There's something appealing about the sheep and the shepherd. When David penned what became Psalm 23, he wrote about the close relationship he had with, with his shepherd, and he confidently boasted, the Lord is my shepherd. He was bragging on God, and he was saying, this is my shepherd, the Lord, Yahweh. This former shepherd boy pictured himself as the sheep, and he claimed Yahweh was his shepherd. And then he outlined in Psalm 23 the, the special care and attention that the shepherd gives to the sheep. It's as if Almighty God, the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, is saying through this passage, I am more like a shepherd than anything else you can wrap your mind around. This morning we focus on another shepherd passage in John chapter 10. I invite you to turn there. Let me remind you that the Jehovah of the Old Testament, the Yahweh of Psalm 23, is the Jesus of the New Testament. We talked about this last week. How can that be? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my Father are one. In John chapter 8, verse 19, Jesus says, addressing the Pharisees, you know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. As we wrap up this summer series, Finding Peace in a Stressful World, and turn to John chapter 10, we're looking at part two of The Good Shepherd. If you missed the first one last week, go to our website and, and catch up, listen to it. Last week we said, The Good Shepherd serves in a class all by himself. And we broke down the meaning of Jesus' statement, I am the Good Shepherd, in the Greek, or the, the Hebrew grammar, the Greek grammar. He says, I myself and I alone in the Greek. He is uh, emphasizing, it's a statement of emphasis as he declares, I am the good shepherd. I myself and I alone am the good shepherd. I am the elite, supreme, one-of-a-kind good shepherd. And we said the good shepherd presents a very striking contrast with the other shepherds of Jesus' day. And we went back to John chapter 9, verses 1 through 34, to, to get the backstory that sets the scene for uh, Jesus standing there and saying, I am the good shepherd. So let's pick up where we left off. Those were the first two points. We're diving into point three, first of all, or third, actually. The good shepherd takes personal interest in his sheep, as you see in verses 12 through 14. First of all, the shepherd knows his sheep. Sometimes the shepherd would lead his sheep into the village's sheep pen or community sheep pen while he went to run errands or to buy supplies. They had to come in from the field sometime and, and take care of other business. His flock would join possibly several other flocks whose shepherds were away temporarily. So all these sheep would be mixed together. And when the shepherd returned, the gatekeeper would let him into the pen and the shepherd would recognize each of his sheep. There may be hundreds of sheep in the pen, but he knows exactly which sheep are his sheep. Philip Keller, the, the uh, shepherd turned author and pastor uh, who wrote the book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, told about the time he bought his first 30 ewes and, and brought them into the sheep pen. He and his neighbor admired these beautiful animals. And the neighbor said, well, Philip, they're yours. Now you'll have to put your mark on them. Keller knew exactly what that meant. He had to take a sharp knife, hold each ewe down, and cut into one of the ears of the sheep to make his mark so he could identify each sheep. That way he knew which sheep was his. Every sheep Keller bought would wear, from this point forward, this distinctive mark. And he could tell his sheep from other sheep if they were ever mixed 
with other sheep. So the shepherd knows his sheep, and not only that. Second, the shepherd calls his sheep by name. The shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd calls each sheep by name. He not only recognizes his mark, but he also assigns a name to each sheep. He, he knows each sheep. And when it's time to return to the fields, he'll, he'll call out to them. He would know every sheep by every name and, and, uh, and call each name. Now, my name is not Smith. My name is not Jones. You would think Chansey would be a pretty simple name. Yet, people call me David Cheney, David Clancy, David Chauncey, David Chance. Take a chance on this guy. I have one guy, when we see each other, always ask me what the weather forecast looks like. He's teasing me, but he thinks I'm David Chanley from Fox 5. And, uh, you know, so I mean, it's like, come on, my name is, my name is Chancy. One time I got a... Um, one time there was a pastor named David Chauncey who served Eastside Baptist Church in, in Marietta. Now, we're probably from the same family tree way back there in England somewhere. And he changed his name to Chauncey, or I changed my name to Chauncey, somewhere the U got dropped or whatever. Some of them hung on to the U. Some of us dropped the U. Some of us even dropped the E, C-H-A-N-C-Y, instead of C-H-A-N-C-E-Y. So he served East Side Baptist Church. Occasionally, I get phone calls or mail for David Chauncey. But it was sent to David Chancy at McDonough Road Baptist Church. Well, one time I got a letter reminding me of a very important meeting of a very critical committee in Georgia Baptist Convention life, summoning me to the, the headquarters in Duluth, Georgia, for this meeting. And uh, a friend of mine at the time was serving as state convention president, and I thought, well, maybe he put me on some committee, and there was a communication breakdown, and I didn't realize that I was on that that committee, and so I, I called up there to the office, to uh, Dr. White's office, and got the lady on the phone whose name was on the letter. I knew her, she knew me, and I said, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm not important enough to, to be on this committee. I never heard that I was on this, this committee, and uh, I think you're trying to reach David Chauncey in Marietta, and not David Chauncey in Fayetteville. Well, she said, no, no, no. I, I insist, you know, she's insisted it was me. And, but I asked her to double check. And several days later, she emailed back and, and said, you were right, it is David Chauncey, not David Chauncey, but you are important. I said, yeah, but I'm not as important as, as he is. So that was fine. I didn't have to travel to Duluth. Eventually, David Chauncey took a church in, in Orlando and left Georgia. And I thought I was beyond this mix-up. And the other day, a pastor acquaintance of mine answered God's call to be pastor of a church in another state, and I private messaged him on Facebook and congratulated him. I thought he knew who I was because we're on Facebook together, and, and uh, he walked right up to me at the Georgia Baptist Convention annual meeting in November at First Baptist Jonesboro and started visiting with me and started talking to me. So I congratulated him on private message, and he private messaged back and said, Thank you, David. Liliana and I love you and Sarah. And I thought, oh, brother, here we go again. So I googled David Chauncey, pastor in Florida. And sure enough, David Chauncey came up, and his wife is some lady named Sarah. Listen, Jesus knows exactly who I am. 
The Good Shepherd never gets my name mixed up with someone else. He knows my name and He knows your name. He knows exactly who you are. And He calls me by my name. Third, the sheep recognize His voice and follow Him. Have you noticed how your pet recognizes your voice? You know, there's that bond there. Your pet knows his or her name. Your pet knows your voice. Your pet knows the tone of your voice. Your pet knows... There's that bonding. You know each other. In the same way, the sheep recognizes the shepherd's voice. When the shepherd comes to the community sheep pen and starts calling his sheep, they look up and start walking towards their shepherd because they recognize his voice. What's verse 14 say? I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my sheep. Have you taken time lately to to listen for the voice of the Good Shepherd? To listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd? Have you taken time to listen for Jesus? He still calls. He still talks to His sheep. Fourth, the Good Shepherd cares for His sheep. Look at verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verses 12 and 13, But a hireling, a hired hand, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and he does not care for the sheep. Jesus named three individuals who dealt with sheep. There's the thief. He doesn't care about the sheep. He doesn't care about the shepherd's property. He doesn't care that that it belongs to someone else. He cares not one bit for the sheep. He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Who do you think Jesus is referring to there? It's a reference to Satan. He doesn't care about us. He's trying to destroy us. He's trying to make us stumble. He's trying to destroy our witness. He's trying to destroy our walk. Then he mentions the robber. The robber also has no concern for the sheep. He's out for his own personal gain. And then he mentions the hired hand, the hireling, whom Jesus makes very clear is not looking out for the sheep. He's looking out for himself. If the wolf comes, man, the sheep are on their own. Bye-bye, sheep. I'm out of here. And the sheep are on their own. They are more internally focused and self-centered, these hired hands are. They do not care about others. Based on last week's passage, last week's sermon, who do you think Jesus was referring to? In John chapter 9, verses... 1 through 34. He's talking about the religious leaders of his day. He's talking about the hard-hearted Pharisees, the legalistic Pharisees, those who he didn't they didn't care one bit that the blind man's sight was restored. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. That's all they thought about. They didn't recognize his deity. They didn't recognize his supernatural power. They didn't recognize that he was the Son of God. They thought he was a blasphemer. And Jesus says, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. They didn't have any idea what he was talking about. Philip Keller gave an example from the early days of his first sheep ranch. As 
winter came and cold winds started to blow, wind chills and cold rain started to fall, his, his neighbors, the ranch next door, his neighbor's sickly sheep would stand at the fence looking at the, the rich fields that Keller's sheep enjoyed. In that case, literally, the grass was greener, thicker, and richer on the other side of the fence. Their rancher was heartless, Keller wrote. He didn't care. He neglected his animals. They only knew hunger. They were thin. They were sickly. What a pitiful state, Keller said these sheep were in. Aren't you glad our shepherd's not like that? He's the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. Think about how much Jesus cares for you. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in Him a friend so strong and true, I would love to tell you how He changed my life completely. He did something no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as He. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much He cared for me. Every day He comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand His words of love. But I'll never know just why He came to save me till someday I see His blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as He. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much He cared for me. Stop and thank Jesus, the Good Shepherd, for His intensive care and concern for your life, for your burdens, for your situation. Whenever you feel that no one else cares, Jesus cares. Fifth, the Good Shepherd sacrifices for His sheep. Look at 11 through 13. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives His life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Now think again about the context. When Jesus first spoke these words, think about this, the sheep were sacrificed for the shepherd. The sheep were sacrificed for the worshiper. Now Jesus is saying the good shepherd sacrifices for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This statement so familiar to us was a radical statement when it fell upon the ears of the first listeners. Five times in this passage, Jesus makes clear the sacrificial nature of His death. Chapter 10, verse 11. Verse 15. Three different references in 17 and 18. Jesus makes it clear. No one takes my life from me. Jesus was not a martyr. Though the Roman soldiers following orders carried out the crucifixion, Jesus willingly placed Himself on the cross for you and for me and for the entire world, dying as a substitute, sacrificing His life 
for us. Now think about the parallel here. When David was a young shepherd boy, what did he do? David went to the front lines and he saw the Philistine giant taunting the people of God, taunting the Israelites. And what did David tell King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 17? He said, When I was tending my father's sheep, a lion came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out and attacked the lion and rescued it from its mouth. When he rose up against me, I grabbed him by the beard and struck him and killed him. I have killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I would say that's confidence, wouldn't you? That's what David did to deliver his sheep. See John chapter 10, verse 18 again. No one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Aren't you thankful that Jesus sacrificed for His sheep? Jesus had the authority to lay down His life. He had the authority to take it up again. What is He talking about? He's talking about His resurrection. Jesus knew what was coming, and He willingly went through with it. His conquering of the death and the grave. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice and the substitute of our Good Shepherd. Aren't you? Sixth, the Good Shepherd seeks His sheep. Look at verse 16. And other sheep I have which and, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. In Jesus' early ministry, he, he concentrated on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, for example, uh, I'll read it for you, Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. We read, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus' initial ministry was to the house of Israel. He reiterates this in Matthew chapter 15, verses 24 and 20 through 27. You can look that up and, and read it. The Jews were the starting point, but the gospel was for the entire world. Jesus came for the entire world. You remember what what Jesus said recorded earlier in John, in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world. The church was not to remain a Jewish-only flock. There were other lost sheep. Jesus said some sheep are not of this fold. Jesus said He must bring them into the fold. They will hear His voice. They will respond positively. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Notice the the emphasis on unity. The emphasis on one flock and one shepherd. When they know... how, How are people unified? When they know and focus on the Good Shepherd, when we keep our eyes on Jesus and on the mission He's given us, then there will be unity. When people keep their eyes on Jesus. Peter took the Gospel to the Gentiles. Acts chapter... 13, or Acts chapters 10 and 11. Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles across the entire Roman Empire, starting in Acts 13 and in the chapters following. The early church had to work through the controversial question. You remember this. Does, does a Gentile have to convert to Judaism 
to be part of the people of God? Do they have to go through all the rituals? Do they have to become Jews to, to uh, gain salvation? And of course, they worked through that. They did, the, uh, the, the answer was a resounding no. Jesus died for the entire world. Salvation is available only through Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a certain heritage. All you have to do is turn from your sin and rebellion and turn to God and open up your life and your heart and recognize your need and in in true humility and submission receive the free gift of eternal life as you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then you become one of His sheep. And He becomes your good shepherd. And Jesus predicted that one day there would be one flock and one shepherd. Have you noticed the seeking Jesus in the Gospels? How Jesus sought out people in the Gospels? Jesus told three stories in Luke chapter 15 that describes what God is like. One of those stories involved a sheep. If you remember John, Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, we read, what, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Can't you picture that? And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. God is the kind of God who leaves ninety-nine and seeks the one lost sheep and then rejoices greatly when that sheep is found. That's what Jesus was saying. In that parable, Jesus continues to seek His sheep. Jesus continues to call His sheep. Jesus continues to reach out to His sheep. He reaches out to ones who are not yet in the fold. And He commands and commissions us to do so also, to join with Him in His work. He reaches out to those who have said yes to Him, but who have grown slack and wayward and wandering, and stale, and uncommitted. Last August, a little lamb wandered away from its pasture in northern California and suddenly found himself in distress in a creek. At the same time, Luke Milo of Hidden Valley Lake in Lake County, California, brought his three dogs to the creek to run and swim as they'd done many, many times before. Milo, who had been on the phone, realized that his his 10-year-old German shepherd, Chloe, had disappeared. So he started searching the creek bank, and he found the dog about 50 yards away with a large white object in her mouth. And as he approached, he realized it was a lamb. And the animal wasn't breathing. Suddenly, as, as Chloe was licking the lamb, the lamb began coughing up water. And he saw the lamb's stomach begin moving again. And he, he picked up the lamb and, and, and tried to, to help. And more water came up. He carried the lamb back to his truck and raced home to, the, to, to get the lamb some help. The story had a happy ending. As the lamb was nursed back to health and eventually returned to its owner. And this German shepherd was the hero, the hero, heroine, who found this lamb and sprung 
into action. That's a picture of what our Good Shepherd does for us. That's a picture. Think about the Good Shepherd seeking His sheep. Maybe finding some of them in distress. Rescuing His sheep. Delivering His sheep. Protecting His sheep. Caring for His sheep. Making His sheep to lie down in green pasture. Walking with His sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. Never leaving nor forsaking His sheep. Staying with His sheep until one day His sheep are reunited with Him on the other side. And then they dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am the Good Shepherd. I am known by my sheep. I know my sheep and they know me. Let me ask you something. Is the Good Shepherd calling you today? He knows exactly where you are. If you're not right with Him, this is your moment to get right with Him. If there's something in your life that's holding you back from being all that He wants you to be, then you need to deal with that this morning. If you don't yet know Him as Lord and Savior, He's calling you today to come to Him. We can help you with that decision. Don't miss out on making the most important decision you can ever make in your life. To know for certain that you're going to heaven to spend forever with Jesus in heaven. Maybe you've accepted Christ as Savior, but you have not yet followed through in baptism, scriptural baptism by immersion. Let's talk about that. Maybe you're interested in moving membership in the life of this church, becoming part of this church family, this flock, this body of Christ. Let's talk about that. What is it in your life today? What decision is God laying on your heart? Are you listening to Him? That if you fail to follow through, is disobedience because you didn't say yes to Him today. Father, we give You thanks for the way that You call on us, call to us. We thank You for knowing our name, for caring for us so intensely, for being with us, Lord, every moment, and Lord, for calling us to a closer walk with You. We pray, Lord, for those who don't know You, that they will say yes to You and that we can be part of that. And we pray, Lord God, that You would Draw us nearer to You, because You promise if we draw near to You, You'll draw near to us. Lord, give us decisions today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.